Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. What's a gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to the start of a special series of Matchday FM podcasts as we preview every day of this week's Royal Ascot. It's the first major UK sporting event that's remained unaltered in the calendar since the UK lockdown. But of course, it'll look and sound a lot different behind closed doors and no royal procession. The first time Her Majesty the Queen will not be present at the meeting in her 68-year reign. However, from Tuesday through to Saturday, we have five days of world-class flat racing, 36 races in all. And I know what you're thinking, 36 races, so many chances to lose money. But fear not, because I'm joined by our resident tipsters and racing fanatics. Harry Reynolds and Ben Wignall. Hello, fellas. Hi, Joe. Good to be uh, good to be talking. And uh, I believe uh, we've had we've had a good weekend, punting wise, both of you. Uh, not so bad today. Today was good. Yesterday, um, bit hit and miss, but it's nice to hit a little bit of form as we go into uh, well, the longest betting week of the year, really. Yeah, I peaked. I peaked on Friday in the uh, the Newbury card. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a penchant for novice races apparently now, so maybe I'll just stick to them after uh, after Royal Ascot. Excellent stuff. So before we get stuck into day one, Ben, this is what it's all about, isn't it? Two weeks after UK racing returns, and we've got Royal Ascot. Yeah, even though it's not as we know it with the huge crowds, uh, Royal Ascot's still the flat racing festival of the season. We've already had a taste in the last few weeks of some really good horses, but this is the real deal. The reduced prize money and travel restrictions for some overseas jockeys and trainers might put some people off, but we're still going to see so many top-class horses over the five days, and I can't wait. Yeah, neither can you, Harry, I'm sure. Apart from it being behind closed doors, what's different about this year's meeting? Well, the key difference is they've added six races to the card, so normally you'd have... Six races a day, Tuesday through to Saturday. But this year, Tuesday through to Friday, we've got uh, seven races. And on the Saturday, we've got a bumper card of eight races. Uh, the extra races, the Buckingham Palace Handicap, which was replaced in 2015 when they brought the Commonwealth Cup in. Uh, we've got the silver editions of the Royal Hunt and Wokingham uh, races. So that, that's for horses that didn't quite manage to get in at the weights to those two races. And then three other handicaps on top. We've got the Cop Horse Handicap, which is over a mile and three, three quarters for four-year-olds and above. Golden Gates handicap for a mile and a quarter, and that's three-year-olds. And then the final extra edition is the Palace of Holyrood House handicap, which is a, a five-pound sprint for three-year-olds. And that's just for this year. So next year, assuming we get back to some normality in the world, we'll also have uh, normality back at Royal Ascot. Um, and the other change is, obviously, they've rescheduled the, the racing programme. So... A lot of the two-year-old races and the three-year-old races have been pushed to the back end of the week to give all of those horses a chance to either, obviously, for three-year-olds running the guineas and uh, and stuff like that. And the two-year-olds obviously needed to get a run-in to be able to qualify for Royal Ascot in races like the Albany, Queen Mary and the Coventry. So they're the big changes, but it, it all sets up for a standard thrilling week of racing. A thrilling week of racing on the track and we, we don't expect it to be any different despite there being no spectators. So... This is the first of five podcasts as we preview every uh, day in turn of Royal Ascot. We'll be posting our daily tips, whether they're any good or not, on the Matchday FM website, which is matchdayfm.wix site, W-I-X site.com forward slash matchdayfm. Or you can follow our social media channels and a link will pop up uh, there. So let's get down to it then, straight into day one. And it's a cracking card to get us underway with seven races, including two group ones. We get underway at 1.15 with the Buckingham Palace handicap, as Harry referenced, the returning race run over seven furlongs. Then the first of the group ones of the week, the Queen Anne Stakes at 1.50 run over one mile. 
Then we've got the 225 Ribblesdale Stakes for the Phillies, Group 2, and the male equivalents run at 3 o'clock. The King Edward Seventh Stakes, another Group 2, and they both run over the one-mile, four-furlong Derby trip. Then comes the feature race at 3.35, the King's Stand Stakes, Group 1, five furlongs for sprinters. And then the 4.10 is the Duke of Cambridge Stakes, the third Group 2 of the day. And the day is rounded off by the 440 Ascot Stakes handicap over the extended two and a half mile trip. So it's some start uh, to the week. And the feature on day one, which we're going to start with, is the King's Stand Stakes run over five furlongs. And it's part of the British Champions Series. Uh, big race. And Harry, uh, if you could go to, uh, take us through uh, the latest odds, please, for this race. Yeah, so as it stands, and I don't expect this to change, we've got Batash at the head of the market for Jim Crowley. He's around six to four on. Glass Slippers, Tom Eves, four to one. Liberty Beach for Jason Hart, ten to one. Then Equilateral, also ten to one for James Doyle. Tis Marvellous and Adam Kirby, around 25 to one. Weldon Fox at 33 to one. Curious, also 33 to one. And the same price, bar those. Thanks for that, Harry. Right, let's get straight into this then. Uh, the favourite is Batash. This horse has been beaten twice in this race by Blue Point, now retired uh, to stud. Harry, was he unlucky on those two occasions last year and the year before? I don't think so. I don't think you could say he was unlucky. Um, the difficulty is, and obviously, I mean, we've all spoken about this, and there was the big debate the other week about who's the better horse. I mean, the more talented horse, I don't think anyone can question that, is Batash. You know, as we've seen, he, he can put up the phenomenal, but he can also put up the, the hideous. And although he's run well in, in behind Blue Point in the last two runners of this, um, I don't think there's any excuses. Uh, Blue Point was just a much more consistent horse and managed to put it together on the day when Batash needs a lot more to go right for him. And uh, although he got a nice run into the race last year, I just, just got beaten on the day fair and square. And Ben, why, why do you think Batash is a bit of a, an, an inconsistent horse? He, he seems to, you know, we, we see amazing performances from him one day and, and then the next he's a little bit off it. Well, he just got his quirks, hasn't he? Even when he was uh, gelded, he uh, still played up at the uh, start in the stalls. And it just depends if he gets that, that start he needs, he blasts it out. If he blasts out like he did at, at Goodwood, um, he, won, he can win a race within the first few furlongs. Um, on good ground, he's probably the best sprinter in the world. But if he's he's won up with a bit of soft in the ground. But if you look at his running the Abbey at the end of last season, it was probably a combination of a, a long season plus the really testing ground over there in France that beat him that day. But he's coming off after a, about eight or nine month break, very fresh. And I can honestly not see him getting beaten, and the odds suggest that. Indeed, um, we were all there for that performance um, at York in the Nunthorpe, where he broke uh, the track record. Uh, you, you two were on the ale, shall we say? Um, <laughs> what uh, that that was that was something else, wasn't it? Yeah, but you got to remember as well in the talk at, uh, in the talk and the build up before that race, everyone was saying he had a York hoodoo because he'd been beaten in the Nunthorpe twice. So. The omens there, but uh, he had he run okay in those non talks before. It's not like he'd blown up. Um, the thing is, and what I've learned to accept as I've got more interested in horse racing over the years, is you just can't trust sprinters all that much. But um, that day, York, everything went right for him. He got uh, ornate, gave him a perfect toe into the race, and you could just see about halfway through, nothing could get near him. And he broke the track record. It was set by Dejour, also owned by Al Maktoum in 1990. But yeah, that was phenomenal and. That's one of the best performances I've seen in my years of going to and watching racing. It was just stunning. Yeah, so that was Batash. And the second favourite is Glass Slippers Road, uh, ridden by Tom uh, Eves. Flying the flag for the Phillies. This horse, Ben, beat Batash at Longchamp in October. What chance do you give her? Well, like I said before, the um, the ground was extremely testing that day um, on Arc there. And I think it was a bit of a surprise when she won. Um, Kevin Ryan, he's not one of the powerhouses, but he can he can train a good horse. Um, Glass Slippers, she had two minor group successes in France before the Abbey. 
Uh, they were on good ground, so it's not to say she's a, a mudlark or anything like that. But I just don't think she has the class to handle Batash on a good track like it will be at Ascot, where it won't be as testing. Just can't see any theory where she overturns the form. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be, you would have to get a real bad attack. Something would have to go seriously wrong. He would have to have a nightmare <clears throat> run down to the starting stools where he's keen and pulling double. It, yeah, he'd have to blow the start probably. But you've got to think as well, like, Batash is rated £10 higher than Glad Slippers. So even when you take into account the, the £3 uh, allowance that the Phillies get, like, he's still got half a stone on her. So he wouldn't even have to be at his best. Um, Although in saying that, the form from the Abbey got a little boost today, as you saw, Ben. My friend, El Astronaut, <laughs> when, when they uh, lifted Achilles' stakes. Oh, I just wanted to talk about El Astronaut a little bit. That's that guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about form being boosted from a Group 1 when the thirds come out and when a listed race. It was such a messy race. like Everything went wrong for Bataj that day. And I can't see it happening again. But I would say Bataj probably just doesn't like Longchamp because he, he'd done it the year before on the Abbey as well where he was poor and got beaten. The odds on glass slippers are a bit skinny to be honest I, I, I'm I, not even sure I'd have her in the top three in the betting if it was up to me although although she's won the Abbey I just, a form like she beat just beat Shades of Blue in the group three and Shades of Blue obviously was put up by me and Ben on Guinea's weekend and it just ran an absolute shocker and I, that form is going to be nowhere near good enough to get within half a mile of the task let alone beating Interesting. So, I mean, the the ground you mentioned there for uh, glass slippers on on uh, on Arc Day was very very testing. We do expect some rain. We are uh, uh, we are recording this on the Sunday before, so we we're not uh, we're not Michael Fish. We can't predict the future with the uh, with the with the weather forecast, but we hope and we expect it to be good good to soft uh, at Ascot. Anyone else that you lads think can? obvious challenges for, for Batash? Well, Liberty Beach is one that has already had a run this season. She ran at Haydock last week um, in a listed race over six furlongs and she absolutely pulled like a train um, all the way through and she uh, just got the better of that race and coming back to five furlongs, she's, she's got some really good juvenile form as well. She won the uh, Louder at, at York Um and she's 10 to 1, I think, at the minute. And I think she represents good each way, value at least. Yeah, yeah, same for me. Um, Equilateral was, was one I looked at. Again, he's really unreliable, but he hasn't got the ability of a tire, so you kind of can't stick with that. Um, to be fair, he goes well fresh. He's two from three on his first start in the season. Um, but his last start in British Soul was, was six out of eight in a group three at Newbury. So that shows you how unreliable he is. Um, but yeah, Liberty Beach is the one for me. If, you, if you're not keen on taking skinny odds on Batash, uh, I was hoping the market would have been up for the without the favourite. I think that's one of the bets of the week, to be honest. Liberty Beach without Batash. Uh, even each way at 10 to 1, you're getting 2 to 1 for a, a place. Well, I can't see her being out of the top three. Um, she's, it's a stiff five furlongs at Asker, and she's obviously proven that she gets comfortably more than that. Uh, last year, she had some great form. But yeah, the, the key thing is here, she's had a run. And the other three at the top of the market haven't. So you know she's going to be fit. You can you can rely on her. She she's always always runs a race. So and even last year she was fourth in the Queen Mary and behind Rackle Prize. That's that's not bad form. So I think that she's been really overlooked. Yeah, that's going to be a key point. The the horses that have already had a run. Right, I'm going to push you for a selection for the King's Stand uh, Stakes. Uh, for me, it's Batash. Uh, plain and simple like, I understand people don't want to take those odds but realistically he's got £10 on ratings on uh, glass slippers and he's then £15 on equilateral like he could turn up at 50% and still win this and I'm really frustrated that I was looking at 2-1 to one on him not that long ago and that price is just capitulated <laughs> but there we are so the, I mean the two bets I'll probably have the two bets I think I'll have Batash, um maybe double out with something else just to get a bit of value but yeah I'll, I'll definitely go on Liberty Beach without the favourite when those markets get put up I was set, we were saying last week weren't we we don't agree a lot but um, we tend, we agreed quite a bit in the Guineas podcast and <laughs> I'm going to have to agree well. again but Arsh, um, yeah, the class horse in the race cannot see it getting beat and Liberty Beach the place as well 
Well, you've got six more races to disagree, so plenty more time. And <laughs> That's okay. I'm, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have it uh, three votes for Batash and shades of blue, maybe a little bit each way on him. Uh, let's move on to the Queen Anne Stakes run at uh, 150, the second race of the meeting, the second uh, group one that we're going to discuss. And uh, Ben, if you could take us through the latest uh, betting and the runners and riders for this one. Yeah, well, Aidan O'Brien's James Palace Stakes winner from 2019, Circus Maximus, sorry, is a 5-2 favourite. In behind him is a race fit Terrabellum for John Gosden and Godolphin at 72. She won the Dahlia Stakes at Newmarket just over a week ago. Then at 8 to 1, we have Paul and Oliver Cole's Duke of Hazard, who won three straight races in Patton Company last season. And at the same odds, is King Power Racing's Fox Chairman, um, looking to get a second Group 1 in the UK after Don Juan Triumphant's Champions Day sprint success. Um, Sheikh Hamdan also holds a strong hand in the race. He's got Mahartha at 10 to 1 and Lockinge winner Mustachery at 12s. Roger Varian has Roseman at the same odds and the rest of the field are 14 to 1 bar. Great stuff. Uh, one that you didn't mention there was King of Change, the winner of the QE2 stakes on Champions Day at Ascot. Uh, ben, is that a big loss to the race? Um, I'd say so. I mean, there's. There's substantial depth in the race. I know there's a few at the back end of the market that you'd probably give no chance to, but he was a worthy favourite due to his second in the Guineas behind Magna Grecia. And then he obviously, like you said, won the QE2 on Champions Day. But because of the ground that day, it's hard to weigh up that race for what it was. We saw talented horses finish out the back of the field. Um, but what the little we've seen of King of Change is certainly a talented horse. And I think. Richard Hannon will be hoping that he comes back later in the season with a, um, some good races under his belt. Yeah, so he won't be running, but one that will be is the favourite Circus Maximus. As Ben said, the winner of the St James's Palace in the rain last year. Um, Harry, is he a worthy favourite for you? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, proven Group 1 form. He's won, won a Group 1 at Longchamp. Uh, the second in the Sussex Stakes, two down hot. Uh, he won the D stakes at Chester last year, so he, I mean that's over a mile and a quarter. So he stays really well and and ran a creditable race in the Dowdy when sixth, maybe didn't quite get home that day. But uh, the only thing that you could maybe knock him for is the lack of a run. But obviously, as we've seen with Amy Bryant, that's generally not an issue with Love and then Peaceful winning the Guineas um, off the back of no run. So uh, and yeah, I, I think he's. The rightful favourite, whether you want to take around about five to two on him, I'm not sure because there's a, it's a decent field. There's there's some substance to it. Obviously, it would have been more with King of Change in there, but I think it's a decent little race. I've not personally gone for Circus Maximus in this race, but I can see why he's favourite. Um, the form's pretty substantial. He did flatter to deceive at York over ten furlongs in the Judgment International, but I think he's proven he goes on on fast ground or ground with a bit of juice in it. Um, but I can understand why people are backing, but I'd rather go for a horse that has better odds. I think the field in this race are pretty closely matched, even though there's not many form lines at tight. And I think that the quality is pretty, for the first five, six in the market, they're, they're all pretty solid. Yeah, and one of those is Terabellum that goes for the uh, the deadly duo of the Tory and Gosden. Uh, is he your idea of the winner, Harry? Basically, after race fitness, but the, the doubt I've got is that she's never run over a mile. She's been campaigned um, over a mile and a quarter at all the runs she's had. Uh, she was fifth in the pre Opera last year on Arc Day, and that was her only try at top level. But, I mean, uh, this was the race on the, the Guinness podcast we did where I just couldn't work out the winner between her and Magic Lily. Um, Obviously, didn't put up at the time. I did end up going with Terra Bellum, as Ben can verify. I didn't quite have the confidence at the time to put it up like, like uh, he did. But yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with that day. And as I've said already, it's a stiff track, Ascot. So you know she's going to be coming up that hill as strong as anyone, if not stronger. Um, her dam, Marvada, won a group three over uh, seven furlongs as well. So there's a bit of pace in there. It may be an issue. Maybe there's something in there with a bit more of a turn of foot than her. But um, 
she's still lightly raced. She's only had five starts. She's won three of them. She's still improving. And although it's her first step out of uh, racing against her own sex, I think there's still more to come from her. And uh, the price is crashing on me a little bit again at seven to two. But I, I, I think you can take a risk on that. But she's still obviously you improving. Yeah, she's still improving. We kind of know how good Circus Maximus is. Uh, like she could still be be anything, and she's still improving. So for me, uh, for me, she's the the one to go for here. When we look at some of the other runners, um, you've picked up a lot of the uh, the runners at the top of the market. Mustachery's winner of the Lockinge. Um, Mustachery, he's getting on a bit now. I know he, he had a decent um, twenty nineteen. He won the Lockinge. Um, he won a group two at Newmarket as well, but Jim Crowley's uh, got the choice of three runners for Sheikh Hamdan and he's chosen Mahartha, which is um, my selection. Um, it's hard not to like Ooh. his form, really, Mahartha. He won the Greenham, which is a Guinness trial in 2019 before uh, picking up an injury. And then we didn't see him until QE2 on Champions Day. Um, it was run on very testing conditions. Um, Mahartha got held up. And he, but he ran on quite takingly for fifth. And I think he has a great chance of winning this in a pretty open contest. I know the likes of Circus Maximus has very good three-year-old form. But I think Mahalfa is very unexposed. And who knows what can happen with him. The only negative is that his trainer, Marcus Dragonings, hasn't won a group one since Sir Percy won the Epsom Derby in 2006 but I'm not too worried about that he's already had a few winners in the since racing's resumed not that many runners um, I think he's had about six or seven but he's had three winners um, yeah I'm very taken with Mahartha and I think he'd be my pick to win this great stuff well you've you've you've, you've given your selection now so for the, <laughs> for the Queen Anne so uh, <laughs> Harry what's yours yeah I mean I'm going to go with Terry Bellin, but I think there's some interesting runners. Like It's worth remembering as well, this hasn't been the most friendly race for punters. Uh, Accidental Agent won it at massive odds in 2018. And then last year we had Lord Glitters. So uh, you don't have to just look to heaven market. There's plenty in there who could win a big race. Um, Fox Chairman could do. He's, a, he's another one likely race, only four career starts. And he won a listed race at Newbury last July um, when he was last seen. So to be off that long, you could say... He must have had his issues. Um, he's got Ascot for me. He was second in Hampton Court behind Sangarius last year. Um, although he was third behind Circus Maximus in a D-stake. So he's got a bit on form. Duke of Hazard. Again, we don't really know how good he is. He's won his last three starts over a mile. So he could be there or thereabouts. His stay was running really well. Got a 22% strike rate um, from not many runners in fairness. But yeah, Mahatha again, like, I do think he's interesting. Uh, I've just got a little bit of doubt. I'm not really sure why. I know watching that race back, the QE2, he was absolutely tanking. I had Jim Crowley looked so confident on him um, that he just sort of bottomed out. And whether that was because he hadn't run for a long while or, I mean, I looked at his, his pedigree and he's by showcasing. So generally he produces sprinters. He himself was a sprinter who raced exclusively over six furlongs. And yeah, his down went up to seven furlongs, but, but blew up over a mile. So I'm not, 100% convinced he's necessarily going to get home. I might be wrong on that. There's just enough doubt for me. And Terrabellum, for me, I don't so much mind horses dropping back in trip, especially over a stiff track like Ascot. Um, Dottori should be able to just bang right in front and the keeper there. And he can he knows he's got loads of petrol, um, more petrol than some of the horses in there anyway. And he can definitely turn it, turn it on and make sure if there is any doubts about the likes of Mahatha staying, that they, they're going to have to prove they stay because they, they're going to go quick and she's going to get home. So, like I said, the price is kind of going now. Um, but she's my idea of the win of the race. And obviously, John Gosden has been in unbelievable form. He's got over a 30% strike rate in the last two, uh, two weeks, I think. So, you know you're going to get a good run from her. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media. Right, moving on then to the 225, which is the Ribblesdale uh, Stakes, run over a mile and four furlongs for the Phillies. And the market is headed by uh, Frankly Darling, a daughter 
of Frankel for the Gosden team, as Harry mentioned, has been in incredible form since racing resumed. And uh, Harry, she bolted up on that first day of, of racing, returning um, at Newcastle. That was a very, very impressive performance. Yeah, and she was strangely quite weak in the markets before that as well. I think she drifted towards against. Um, but I was, I mean, she could have been a one to four shot that day with that, that performance. And it's not like she beat a, beat a slouch in Tuban, who's a decent horse for uh, Hamdan Al Maktoum. And, and to be fair, Gosden sends his best horses there to Newcastle, where she won, like Enable and Stradivarius went there. So they must think a lot of her. Um, yeah, she's clearly improved from the step in ship, as a lot of the Frankel uh, progeny do. Um, she was beaten on debut by a horse called Caballetta for Chibi Park, and she ran okay in a listed race yesterday behind another Gosden Frankel filly in Franconia at Newbury. So it's decent level of form. Um, again, she's only had what two starts, so her ceiling we don't, we have no idea where it is. Um, her price is skinny, I would say, to be fair, on what she's accomplished um, at under two to one. But uh, you're taking a lot of that on, on on potential, which is clearly sky high and. Yeah, I mean, it, it, she was right at the top of the market for the Oaks as well. So that tells you how good people think she is. Uh, so with horses in behind, um, frankly, darling, in the odds, there is, there's Miss Yorda who ran very well in the Oaks trial at Lingfield. Um, she had a bad break and she came through the field. I don't know how much, uh, what quality she beat in the field. And quite a few of them reappose her, such as So I Told You, West End Girl. Um, but... She, she was very impressive, but the Tory out of the two horses of Gosden, he has chosen frankly darling, so perhaps make it out of what you will. Mm. Yeah, and Miss Yoda, to be fair, like she was really slowly away that day and she looked like she'd sort of blown it at the start. And the run through was absolutely awful. She was weaving all over the place and just got home. So you'd imagine the extra half a furlong in this race is, is going to suit her a lot. And Rab Havlin has won all three races on it. So she could win, but I, again, like has been alluded to, when Vittori's got the pick and he doesn't often get it wrong, does he? So, uh, and also for the same connections in this last year with Starcatcher, who won it when it looked like Vittori was going to go six from six. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably why Miss Yoda is so weak. I can't imagine Vittori getting it wrong in, on, on such a big stage. And the next two uh, in the market, Trefoil and Passion, are both, both of you uh, both like them. Yeah, Trefoil uh, has got some decent form. Uh, she was, although well beaten, she was behind Run Wild, who won uh, the Pretty Polly at Newmarket last week. So uh, the only issue for me is in that in that race, it looked like she needed uh, the step up. So she, she's by tier fellow, so she's bred for this test. Um, yeah, the formula novice win she had last year is quite weak, but she's still quite unexposed. And as we've said, a lot of these trainers are in great form, but Rafe Beckett's 20% strike rate. He's had nine winners from 44 runners as of when I did this research. So I would not be surprised if she ran a big race. And she's obviously got sort of more considerable form than, frankly, darling, that she's actually run, you know, in, in pattern company. I, I'm i not that keen on either Passion or Trailfoil, to be fair. Um, we don't, I know Trailfoil ran in the... Um, at Newmarket, and we don't know how good Run Wild is because she had quite a few runs as a two-year-old, but she obviously bolted up um, in the Pretty Polly. Uh, Passion came back out last week in Ireland in a listed race. Only fourth. She might come on for it, though. These Galileos that Aidan O'Brien Abbey tend to come on leaps and bounds when they're uh, turned three years old. And James Doyle's picked up a decent ride with the other... O'Brien run at Ennistown. Um, she won a Leopardstown maiden last week, beat a Dermot Weld horse who was um, who got backed in. So that one could be anything. But I uh, like born with pride. Um, she's worth another look for William Haggis. She won a listed race on debut at Newmarket in 2019, which is pretty impressive in its own right. And behind her that day was Peaceful, uh, who just won the Irish Thousand Guineas. Um, last night and Run Wild who literally ran wild in the Pretty Polly Stakes as we've talked about she was for third in that race um, Born with Pride ran on the old weather actually in the first week back for racing and she only finished seventh 
Um, but I'd be willing to forgive that run. Um, she'll be race fit and back on turf. She might just run these close and she's in the same colours as the great late Sea class. I just want to touch on what Ben said about passion, to be fair. I, I watched that race. I it hurt my wallet a little bit, to be honest. She's a full sister to Capri, passion. So um, I, I would suggest she might need a bit further. Obviously, Capri won the ledger um, and a bit of a boat. But yeah, I... I'm torn again. To be fair, I'm. I really like Frankly Darling. I I put her up on the Guineas podcast we did last week as one to watch. But then, that form with uh, Born with Pride looks very very good. Uh, when you've got when you're beating a classic winner on debut, and she's a very good prize because of bombing out on debut. Um, uh, not debut. Sorry, on seasonal reappearance. So um, it's tough. I, I. It might just be best to stick with Frankie Darling because she's definitely got a lot to come. And, yeah, she could be very special. And Ben? Yeah, I agree with Frankie Darling. She's got a lot of untapped potential and I couldn't sway you against her. But, again, Bourne Pride, she's got form from her debut, but you don't know if that all-weather run um, was just a... A tester for her, or she's she might not have trained on. You never know, but yeah, I'll stick with Frankly Darling. Uh, I know it's another favourite, but she might end up drifting her on the day. Beating around the bush, and we all get to the same one again. Frankly, <laughs> um, for uh, Dottori and Gosden, it's not it's not a bad not a bad pick. Um, right, the King Edward the Seventh stakes is next at three o'clock. Run again over the uh, one mile four furlong uh, trip. And we've only got six runners uh, in this race. A heavily backed favourite in Mogul for the uh, Bally Doyle team. Uh, Ryan Moore takes the ride. Why is there only six runners, lads? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I, I forget every year and then look through the Royal Ascot card and think, oh, why is there not a group one over a mile and a half? But the issue is, normally this would come two weeks after the derby or two, two or three weeks after the derby. So a lot of the horses who've obviously run there, that's the, the pinnacle of the mile and a half division. And they want some time off before they go for the King George. Obviously, that's different this year, and you might have expected a few more runners. But I think the, the issue is probably that Mogul might have scared a lot of them off being a full brother to Japan, who obviously won this last year. And uh, Ben, Mogul, is he part of a main part of your Ackers for the week? It's hard to see past him in this race when you're he's a, obviously he's a full brother to Japan, cost three point four million guineas. Jumps out of you from his pedigree page alone. Um there should be no doubt he get uh, gets this trip being Japan's brother and he's been an Epsom Derby fancy since last summer when he uh, when he won two and two on the bounce. Uh he didn't run badly on the synthetics at Newcastle in the Virtue and Futurity uh, last year when Kamako won. Uh but back on the turf over a mile and a half. I see him being very hard to beat. Anyone else, Harry, that might just upset the apple cart? Yeah, I mean, this. I'll be honest. I, I'm disappointed in this race. I just think it's a poor group too. Um, when you look at the rules there and you've got a number of runners, you think, well, there's so much potential there. I, I think this would be a disappointing result if anyone but Mogul won. But you've got Mahican Heights who's unbeaten in two starts. He's won a listed race uh, by Australia on the Derby. So, uh, that won't be an issue. The the big concern I've got with Mahican Heights is that uh, trainers had no winners from 10 this season. Again, that was when I did Murray. So that may have changed, but still, I mean, that's poor. And I have got £8 to find on ratings with Mogul. So that'd be a shock. Arthur's Kingdom, you've got the stable second string, who's not been out of the top two, to be fair. Been second, second, first, and then second by Camelot. Again, we always talk with these O'Brien uh, horses about their breeding, like uh, nearly won the triple crown, so trip shouldn't be an issue. But uh, his last run was in a French Group One, and the form of that is absolutely terrible. To be blunt, um, the winner has bombed out twice this season. Uh, McFancy, OMK Fancy, not sure which way you want to say it, but has been last of six and eight in his last two runs. And Mythical, another O'Brien one, um, was third in that and absolutely blew up on Friday at the Guineas meeting. And the fourth was fourth in the Linkfield Derby trial uh, behind English King. So, yeah, I mean, you've got a lot to find on form there. So, really disappointing race. Look, um, just shade of odds on, again, like, if, you, if you're uncomfortable with taking those odds on, then fair enough. But, I mean, 
Mogul should just be a shoe in here. Two votes for Mogul? Yeah. Love it. Love it. Mogul, a hot favourite for that. Part of many people's ackers, we would think, for the week. Moving on to the 4-10, the Duke of Cambridge Stakes Group 2. Again, third Group 2 of the day. It really is uh, a brilliant first day of racing at Royal Ascot. Um, and the market is headed by Jim Crowley's Mount Nazif, again for the Gosden Stable. Jubiloso is the second favourite uh, for Ryan Moore and uh, Michael Stout. Miss O'Connor is also uh, a joint second favourite for James Dore and William Haggis. What do you reckon about this race, Ben? Uh, I think this is a pretty open race. Uh, Nazif being the favourite, she's definitely race fit after beating Billsden Brook uh, on the all-weather. But we don't know if some horses just prefer that surface or if they can transfer it back onto the turf at this kind of level. Um, Queen Power was ahead of Magic Lily at Newmarket last week. Uh, they both go here, but neither of them get the better of Terra Bellum, who we spoke about earlier. Um, Jubilato is an interesting one as well. She's um, She came into Royal Ascot last year with a lot of promise went into the coronation stakes and finished third. Um, but with her last performance in August at Sandown, that was pretty disappointing. I think she finished second last. Um, and actually the horse who won that race, the Atlanta Blue Stakes at Sandown, I fancy her to come out and potentially win this. Lavender's Blue. Um, Amanda Perich doesn't have many group winners, but uh, Lavender's Blue, she, remained, she retained sorry, a lot of potential. She didn't have a clear run in the Sun Chariot Stakes in her final appearance last season. But like I said, she won the Sandown race that Jubilo also bombed out of. And um, I still think she retains a lot of that three-year-old potential she should, uh, she shown. Um, and she's pretty decent odds. I think she's about five to one, I think. Um, yeah, very open race. I don't know who Harry fancies. I'm sure he'll tell us. But um, yeah, a lot of live chances in this one. Yeah, this is a race I really like, um, as opposed to the last one we spoke about. I think there's a lot of depth there. Nazif, obviously, you'd have to be impressed with the way she ran down Billsdenbrook, albeit in receipt of £7, I think it was. But she's on the upgrade, and she flew home that day. Uh, again, train and jockey in great form. And in this race, the favourite or second favourite have won 10 of the 16 run-ins. So, pace is sick near the top of the market. Um, the issue there is all but two winners in this race have won a group two or three earlier in their career. So that would rule Nazif out if you were going literally by the book to every word of it. Um, Jubilosa, I think, is a shocking price. Uh, went into Royal Ascot, I think, unbeaten last year, actually. And obviously, as Ben said, was there in the coronation. But the last two runs were shocking. And you are taking a massive risk that Michael Stout has managed to get her back to anywhere near her rating which which would make her the best rated horse in the race um, and they were at a lower level at group 3 so I would be massively against her um, Lavender's Blue maybe I, I don't know it's, it's not really wouldn't be like a sexy winner to me Lavender's Blue um, one that Ben didn't mention was Miss O'Connor who's unbeaten in four starts uh, the issue there is they've all been on soft or heavy so quick rounds are unknown but depending on how much rain she gets she could be brought into it um, Side did win twice on Good to Firm, so maybe be okay. Uh, she has won a Group 3 in France, so that would put her right in uh, with the trends. So she could be right there. And Queen Power, um, that Terrabellum form could look very good if she wins the Queen Anne. Um, she wasn't that far off her. So, and she was fourth on star catcher in last year's Ribblesdale. Um, Marcus uh, also has her, obviously, and he's got a good record in this, way, in this race. He's won it six times since 2007 and had four seconds. So, I think she'll be banged there. Um, uh, this isn't a race, that, to be honest, that I've really had uh, my colours to the mouse on yet. I think I'm going to wait until after Terra Bellum has run and see what that form looks like. Um, but the three, like I said, the three I like are Miss O'Connor, Queen Power and Nazif. If you, if you put a gun to my head now, I'm going to put a gun to your head. Yeah, I know, I know that. Yeah. Uh, I know yeah, that Coughlin we will be putting. Yeah, it's not got the authority. Um, <laughs> yeah, I if you if you if you put a gun to my head now, I would probably say Nazif. Just um, I don't like putting up favourites though, which is annoying. Uh, if Nazif goes any shorter, I'd probably be against her. Um, or this might even be a race I have a couple of bets in. To be honest, I would 
if if it's if it's soft or heavy, I'll back Miss O'Connor. And then if Terra Bellin wins, I'll probably back Queen Power. So I mean, there's a lot a long time yet to go until this race goes off, and I've got a lot of waiting to do before I really narrow close to the mass. But yeah, if, if you said right now I've got to pick one, I'd, I'd go Nazif. Okay, interesting. And I will just say that we will be putting our selections on the day on the Match Day FM website. So. Maybe you might have changed your mind by then. Maybe, hey, maybe, maybe the Tuesday morning might not be um, <laughs> might, might be too early again. Ben, what are you going for here? Uh, I was actually going to mention Miss O'Connor, um, but I wanted to actually leave carry some horses instead of going yeah, through most of the field. Um, <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't rain or if it's only like light showers, I can can't see Miss O'Connor winning. Obviously, just winning on soft uh, in its four runs. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Lavender's Blue. Even though Harry said she wouldn't be a sexy winner, um, but I think she's done enough at three years old. I know she came last in the Derby; she probably didn't stay that trip. But I think over a mile, she's got some decent form, and if she's trained on into a four-year-old, she can she can take this. I, I like the the form uh, the form line of Terra Bellum, so I'm going to put up Magic Lily, although Queen Power as well is a is a good one. Uh, the first one, we're going to go, we're going to rewind right back to the front of the card and it's the 115 Buckingham Palace handicap. Uh, the first race of the meeting run over seven uh, furlongs and 24 runners in this one. So it's, it's a pretty tough start for punters. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot in here that could win and I, I like Derek. Uh, I liked the reappearance of that um, last year, last weekend, sorry, after over 400 days off and has been gelded. Uh, the issue there would be that Jim Crowley has chosen Mosakayel. So, uh, yeah, that'd be a concern. He's gone up seven pounds for the last win, but did have a lot in hand. And a stiff seven pounds is going to be an issue as it was second over a mile. And again, we mentioned it before, but he, you know, he's race fit. So, He's got a chance, and uh, another Almut Team one, Mutomatic, has won the last four races, but hasn't run since September, and they're all over seven furlongs. So uh, he's only gone up three pounds for that last win, and will get cover from a good draw in the middle. Uh, so an uh, each way price is consistent, and yeah, it was a difficult one that I, when I looked at to try and go through and you know rule some out and rule some in. So. Uh, I did look at and horses that have run it well at Ascot before. I've got a decent record in this, so I, it's not one I've got a massively strong opinion on, like like the Queen Anne with Terabella maybe. So yeah, they were the two that I know it's at the top of the market again, which is annoying, but it might just might be an okay day for punters. Hopefully, it will be nice to make a change. So <laughs> anything down, uh, lower down the weights that catches your eye, Ben? Uh, well, looking at his race just as a whole, I think you could put a blindfold on and stick a pin in the race and pick the winner. It'll probably be easier than studying the form. But this is what, this is what we, we have you guys for. <laughs> you, you, you need to be... You need to tell punters what, it, what, what we're going for. None of this. It, it you've got to every other race, Joe. you got to every other yeah. race. I mean, it is, uh, it is pretty difficult. I'll try and go through it with a, with a fine, fine nail and pick every single... Horses format at this, you will yeah. be hurting a, afterwards. There's a lot of different form lines, and there's horses that have already raced this season, and horses that have come off big layoffs. And I did look at the the race fit horses first. And Queso of Nigel Tinkler finished seven behind Doric in um, that race at Newcastle last week, and probably needed the run. Um, Cliffs of Capri, that's another veteran. It's ran well at Newmarket. Last week behind Jack Point of William Muir, who's around 16 to 1. Um, I did like Brian Epstein and Richard Hannans came second to Cap Francais at Haydock last week, but he's not made the cut and I think he's going for another race. One of the, uh, yeah, he's been declared for the Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, for the, one of the silver races. So I'm actually going to go with a horse that's not been seen since uh, October and that's Greenside of Henry Candy. Um, he's not had a run this season but he's drawn on the side stand in stall 23 and was second over course and distance to the extremely useful Kinran who doesn't win many races but he's always going close um, he's got a five pound claimer on him in Marco Gianni so he's taking some weight off his back uh, I think he could give Henry Candy a big 
Royal Ascot wins kick off the 2020 meeting and he doesn't have that many winners anymore. Obviously, Lamarto is his stable star recently. But Greenside looks a pretty good handicapper and a lot of these could win, to be fair. But he's in about the middle of the weights and he's got course form. So, yeah, Greenside for me. That's more like it. Greenside for Ben. Harry, who are you going for? Yeah, I'm conscious that I'm putting up favourites, so I'll go for Muta Masic, a bigger price. Um, again, taking a lot of confidence that he's going to be fit, but he's got an OK draw and is a yeah, good each way bet, I think. I don't know what you're going to say about mine, but I'm going to put up Firmament, James Doyle in the saddle. Um, and he, he ran over the winter on the, on the track at Maidan. Um, and run uh, last week as well so firmament uh, for me and uh, three different selections on on firmament I would say to be fair that I wouldn't knock that and I'll be honest I don't think I would knock any sort of pick in this race it, it is wide open and if you can get one at, at bigger odds then fair enough um, firmament is relatively consistent and I would not be surprised if he ran into at least a place plenty of places and finally, if you've listened to all of this, then well done. And we're finally at the Ascot Stakes, the final race at 4.40. Run over the extended two-and-a-half-mile uh, trip handicap. And uh, any, any better luck in this race for you, lads? Um, it didn't, didn't, um, didn't cause you too much pain? No, not at all. We're into my neck of the woods, and a lot of these are national hunt horses. So the, the Rio athletes, Ben... <laughs> the, real, the real warriors. Uh, no, uh, like listen, Vadana Blue, very, very hard to beat in this. Um, when I watch stuff in the past, uh, generally the rule is for the flat rate and you take £45 off for, off the National Hunt mark. And she is um, rated 160 over jumps and she's got a mark of 100 for this race. So she's got over a stone in hand, effectively. If it rains, I, I can't see her being out of the top two or three. She was fourth behind champion hurdle winner Epitone at Christmas and she also won the Scottish champion hurdle off a rating of 154 by seven lengths uh, in April last year so the, the jockey booking of Ryan Moore obviously is a big plus as well oh, the issue again is she's obviously well found in the market uh, because it doesn't take you long to look at all these stats and think yep she's going to be there or thereabouts so uh, the other thing for this race that I looked at is the last 11 winners were no bigger than 12 to 1 and dual purpose trainers have won 12 of the last 13 with 14 of the last 18 winners coming from basically jump-based stables or well, those who are primarily jump-based stables obviously so Nicky Henderson is generally a jumps man but obviously has been down here and another horse I liked a much bigger price is San Benedito for Paul Nichols who actually had a double at Pontefract last week and he's rated 150 over fences he's won over this trip so He's effectively got a stone and a half in hand. And although he's not raced since November, he has won off a break in the past and he's won at Ascot before. So that's all important. And Megan Nichols think, going well as well. Yeah, so at a price, uh, I think he's got a good chance. But um, I can't see past Vadana Blue if she turns up anywhere near her best and she gets the rain. She's obviously she's a good horse. She's a grade one winner over hurdles. Um... Top weight for a reason. Um, she's not run since Boxing Day, though, um, and I don't. Know, I don't think we're going to get an amazing amount of rain on Tuesday, if, if at all. Um, and it's a very deep race, and I'm willing to take the Donna Blue on with Moon King. Uh, he won on reappearance at Haydock last week on his first try over two miles. He was driven out pretty well. Uh, it's another step up in distance, but I think he's definitely got the resilience. Um, Obviously, Harry said the jumps, the dual uh, purpose trainers have a, a very good record in this. Um, but I think that Rafe Beckett might have got Moon King. He's very, he was very progressive last year as well, um, the horse. So, yeah, I like Moon King, but obviously I wouldn't be surprised if the Dawn of Blue wins. Harry's given a very good analysis of her ratings and and why she's the worthy favourite. But, yeah, I'll be taking her on with Moon King. Yeah, I mean, if, if it That's doesn't rain, nice then I'll, to say. I'll be with you. <laughs> yeah. If, <laughs> if, if it doesn't rain, look, I'll, again, this is not one I would include in any multiples or anything. Um, you've got to wait and see with this one. If this, it, uh, I wouldn't bet till right at the last minute. If, if it rains, and rains substantially, then Badalabu is going to be right there. If it doesn't, then 
you've got a big problem if you're taking three to one in a race of this size with such a big handicap. Um, so for me, if it, if it, let's, if it, I'll assume for the purposes of this selection that it absolutely hammers it down. In that case, it'll be the down the blue. If it doesn't, then I'll be playing San Benedito each way. Like it, like it. And Ben, Moon King for you then? Yeah, Moon King for me. I'm a bit gutted that um, Palisette is not in this. I've not seen him for quite a while, but he's oh, always yeah. he's always uh, playing up on the Reliable. track at, yeah. at the start. But no, um, yeah, Moon King for me. Now, if you're enjoying this, then why not check out our blog? You can find it on our website. Just search for Matchday FM. So, gentlemen, that was the first seven races of Royal Asker. Um, now I'm going to ask you for your best bet on day one. And I'll start with Ben. Well, we've tipped up so well. We've picked some pretty short press favourites with Patash and Morgul. And I wouldn't put, uh, put you off putting them in multiples with horses over the course of a week. But there's just something about Mahartha that really makes you think he's going to run a really big race in the Queen Anne and win it. So I'd go Mahartha each way is my big tip of the day. You can't put Evan each way as your bet of the day. Why not? That's a shocker. Oh, if you were that confident, you'd be going straight on the win. If that was your bet of the day, you'd be going all out on the win. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> well you can do what you want with your money Ben uh, Harry uh, best bet of the day yeah uh, uh, same as Ben I would not put anyone off uh, double of uh, Batash and Mogul uh, that is going to be very skinny though and as I found out at Cheltenham at these big festivals you can get burned very easily and very painfully with mm-hmm. those short price favourites so um, my bet of the day is Liberty Beach without the favourite in the King Stand I'm going to Put my colours to the mask. Furman in the first. Uh, I think it's that is it six, bold. Six places, uh, is it? Yeah, yeah. You, you'll be able to get all sorts of places with the the fans on that being at the opening race of the meeting. I think it's uh, six instead of four. Yeah, but probably, yeah. probably. Um, the the, uh, the there's there's some big favourites on on the first day. The likes of Batash and and Mogul, as you guys have said, um, and uh, the likes of Terrabellum as well in the Queen Anne. But yeah, Furman for me. Um, and that was it, the first uh, Royal Ascot Match Day FM podcast. Um, and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, maybe I might be invited back for the second one. <laughs> Chris, Coughlin did do a, do. Chris Coughlin did do a very good job, to be fair to him, on the, on the previous uh, racing uh, podcast. And um, Harry and Ben, uh, I will see you again tomorrow. Yeah, been a pleasure, yeah, Thank you. Pleasure.